Section two of A Thousand Nights and a Night. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gesine. The Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night. Volume one. Translated by Richard Burton. Section two. Tale of the Bull and the Ass. Know, O oh my daughter, that there was once a merchant who owned much money and many men, and who was rich in cattle and camels. He had also a wife and family, and he dwelt in the country, being experienced in husbandry and devoted to agriculture. Now Allah Most High had endowed him with understanding the tongues of beasts and birds of every kind, but under pain of death if he divulged the gift to any so he kept it secret for very fear. He had in his cow-house a bull and an ass, each tethered to his own stall, one hard by the other. As the merchant was sitting near hand one day, with his servants and his children playing about him, he heard the bull say to the ass, Hail and health to thee, O father of walking, for that thou enjoyest rest and good ministering, all under thee is clean-swept and fresh-sprinkled, Men wait upon thee and feed thee, and thy provaunt is sifted barley, and thy drink pure spring water, while I, unhappy creature, am led forth in the middle of the night, when they set on my neck the plough, and a something called yoke, and I tire at cleaving the earth from dawn of day till set of sun. I am forced to do more than I can, and to bear all manner of ill-treatment from night to night." after which they take me back with my sides torn, my neck flayed, my legs aching, and mine eyelids soared with tears. Then they shut me up in the byre, and throw me beans and crushed straw, mixed with dirt and chaff, and a lie in dung and filth, and foul stinks through the livelong night. But thou art ever in a place sweet and sprinkled and cleansed, and thou art always lying at ease, save when it happens, and seldom enough, that the master hath some business, when he mounts thee and rides thee to town, and returns with thee forthright. So it happens that I am toiling and distress, while thou takest thine ease and thy rest, thou sleepest while I am sleepless, I hunger still, while thou eatest thy fill, and I win contempt while thou winnest good will. When the bull ceased speaking, the ass turned towards him, and said, O broader brow! O oh, thou lost one! He lied not when he dubbed thee bull-head, for thou, O oh father of a bull, hast neither forethought nor contrivance. Thou art the simplest of simpletons, and thou knowest naught of good advisers. Hast thou not heard the saying of the wise? For others these hardships and labours I bear, and theirs is the pleasure and mine is the care, as the bleacher who blacketh his brow in the sun to whiten the raiment which other men wear. But thou, O fool, art full of zeal, and thou toilest and moilest before the master, and thou tearest and wearest and slayest thyself for the comfort of another. Hast thou never heard the saw that says, None to guide and from the way go wide? Thou wendest forth at the call to dawn prayer, and thou returnest not until sundown, and through the livelong day thou endurest all manner hardships to wit, beating and belabouring and bad language. Now hearken to me, Sir Bull, 
when they tie thee to thy stinking manger, thou pawest the ground with thy forehand, and rushest out with thy hind hoofs, and pushest with thy horns, and bellowest aloud, so they deem thee contented. And when they throw thee thy fodder, thou fallest on it with greed, and hastenest to line thine fair fat paunch. But if thou accept my advice, it will be better for thee, and thou wilt lead an easier life even than mine. When thou goest afield, and there lay the thing called yoke on thy neck, lie down, and rise not again, though haply they swinge thee. And if thou rise, lie down a second time, and when they bring thee home, and offer thee thy beans, fall backwards, and only sniff at thy meat, and withdraw thee, and taste it not, and be satisfied with thy crushed straw and chaff, and on this wise feign thou art sick, and cease not doing thus, for a day or two days, or even three days, so shalt thou have rest from toil and moil. When the bull heard these words, he knew the ass to be his friend, and thanked him, saying, Write is thy reed, and they prayed that all blessings might requite him, and cried, O father wakener, thou hast made up for my failings. Now the merchant, O my daughter, understood all that passed between them. Next day the driver took the bull, and settling the plough on his neck, made him work as want. But the bull began to shirk his ploughing, according to the advice of the ass, and the ploughman drubbed him till he broke the yoke and made off. But the man caught him up and leathered him till he despaired of his life. Not the less, however, would he do nothing but stand still and drop down till the evening. Then the herd led him home and stabled him in his stall, but he drew back from his manger, and neither stamped nor rammed nor butted nor bellowed, as he was wont to do. Whereat the man wandered. He brought him the beans and husks, but he sniffed at them and left them, and lay down as far from them as he could, and passed the whole night fasting. The peasant came next morning, and, seeing the manger full of beans, the crushed straw untasted, and the ox lying on his back in sorriest plight, with legs outstretched and swollen belly, he was concerned for him, and said to himself, By Allah, he hath assuredly sickened, and this is the cause why he would not plough yesterday. Then he went to the merchant and reported, O oh my master, the bull is ailing, he refused his fodder last night. Nay more, he hath not tasted a scrap of it this morning. Now the merchant farmer understood what all this meant, because he had overheard the talk between the bull and the ass. So quoth he, Take that rascal donkey, and set the yoke on his neck, and bind him to the plough, and make him do bull's work. Thereupon the ploughman took the ass, and worked him through the livelong day at the bull's task, and when he failed for weakness, he made him eat stick till his ribs were sore, and his sides were sunken, and his neck was hayed by the yoke. And when he came home in the evening, he could hardly drag his limbs along, either forehand or hind legs. But as for the bull, he had passed the day lying at full length, and had eaten his fodder with an excellent appetite, and he ceased not calling down blessings on the ass for his good advice, unknowing what had come to him on his account. So when night set in, and the ass returned to the bite, the bull rose up before him in honour, and said, May good tidings gladden thy heart, O father wakener. Through thee I have rested all this day, and I have eaten my meat in peace and quiet. 
But the ass did not reply, for wrath and heart-burning and fatigue and the beating he had gotten. And he repented with the most grievous of repentance, and quoth he to himself, This cometh of my folly in giving good counsel. As the saw saith, I was in joy and gladness, nought save my officiousness brought me this sadness. But I will bear in mind my innate worth and the nobility of my nature, for what saith the poet? Shall the beautiful hue of the basil fail, though the beetle's foot o'er the basil crawl? And though spider and fly be its denizens, shall disgrace attach to the royal hall? The cowrie I can shall have the currency, but the pearl's clear drop shall its value fall? And now I must take thought and put a trick upon him and return him to his place, else I die. Then he went aweary to his manger, while the bull thanked him and blessed him. And even so, O my daughter, said the wazir, thou wilt die for lack of wits. Therefore sit thee still and say naught, and expose not thy life to such stress. For by Allah I offer thee the best advice, which cometh of my affection, and kindly solicitude for thee. O my father, she answered, needs must I go up to the king, and be married to him. Quoth he, do not this deed, and quoth she, of a truth I will. Whereat he rejoined, if thou be not silent and bide still, I will do with thee even what the merchant did with his wife. And what did he? asked she. Know then, answered the wazir, that after the return of the ass the merchant came out on the terrace roof with his wife and family, for it was a moonlit night, and the moon at its full. Now the terrace overlooked the cowhouse, and presently, as he sat there with his children playing about him, the trader heard the ass say to the bull, Tell me, O father broader brow, what thou purposest to do to-morrow. The bull answered, What but continue to follow thy counsel, O Oliberon? Indeed it was as good as good could be, and it hath given me rest and repose, nor will I now depart from it one little, so when they bring me my meat I will refuse it, and blow out my belly and counterfeit crank. The ass shook his head, and said, Beware of so doing, O father of a bull. The bull asked, Why? And the ass answered, Know that I am about to give thee the best of counsel, for verily I heard our owners say to the herd, If the bull rise not from his place to do his work this morning, and if he retire from his fodder this day, make him over to the butcher, that he may slaughter him and give his flesh to the poor, and fashion a bit of leather from his hide. Now I fear for thee on account of this, so take my advice, ere a calamity befall thee, and when they bring thee thy fodder, eat it, and rise up, and bellow, and paw the ground, or our master will assuredly slay thee, and peace be with thee. Thereupon the bull arose, and loud aloud, and thanked the ass, and said, "'Tomorrow I will readily go forth with them,' and he at once ate up all his meat, and even licked the manger. All this took place, and the owner was listening to their talk. Next morning the trader and his wife went to the bull's crib and sat down, and the driver came and led forth the bull, who, seeing his owner, whisked his tail in break wind, and frisked about so lustily that the merchant laughed a loud laugh, and kept laughing till he fell on his back. His wife asked him, Where laughest thou with such loud laughter as this? And he answered her, I laughed at a secret something which I have heard and seen, 
but cannot say lest I die my death. She returned, Perforce, thou must discover it to me, and disclose the cause of thy laughing, even if thy come to thy death. But he rejoined, I cannot reveal what beasts and birds say in their lingo, for fear I die. Then quoth she, By Allah, thou liest. This is a mere pretext. Thou laughest at none save me, and now thou wouldest hide somewhat from me. But by the Lord of the heavens, an thou disclose not the cause, I will no longer cohabit with thee, I will leave thee at once. And she sat down and cried. Whereupon quoth the merchant, Woe betide thee, what means thy weeping? Bear Allah and leave these words, and query me no more questions. Needs must thou tell me the cause of that laugh, said she, and he replied, Thou wottest that when I prayed Allah to vouchsafe me understanding of the tongues of beasts and birds, I made a vow never to disclose the secret to any, under pain of dying on the spot. No matter, cried she, tell me what secret passed between the bull and the ass, and die this very hour, and thou be so minded. And she ceased not to importune him, till he was worn out and clean distraught. So at last he said, Summon thy father and thy mother, and our kith and kin, and sundry of our neighbours. Which she did. And he sent for the Kazi and his assessors, intending to make his will and reveal to her his secret, and die the death. For he loved her with love exceeding, because she was his cousin, the daughter of his father's brother, and the mother of his children, and he had lived with her a life of an hundred and twenty years. Then, having assembled all the family and the folk of his neighbourhood, he said to them, By me there hangeth a strange story, and tis such that if I discover the secret to any, I am a dead man. Therefore quoth every one of those present to the woman, Allah upon thee, leave this sinful obstinacy, and recognize the right of this matter, lest haply thy husband and thy father of thy children die. But she rejoined, I will not turn from it till he tell me, even though he may come by his death. So they ceased to urge her, and the trader rose from amongst them, and repaired to an outhouse to perform wuzu ablution, and he purposed thereafter to return, and to tell them his secret, and to die. Now, daughter Shahrazad, that merchant had in his outhouses some fifty hens under one cock, and whilst making ready to farewell his folk, he heard one of his many farm dogs thus address in his own tongue the cock, who was flapping his wings and crowing lustily, and jumping from one hen's back to another, and treading all in turn, saying, O Chanti clear, how mean is thy wit, and how shameless is thy conduct! Be he disappointed who brought thee up! Art thou not ashamed of thy doings on such a day as this? And what, asked the rooster, hath occurred this day? When the dog answered, Dost thou not know that our master is this day making ready for his death? His wife has resolved that he shall disclose the secret taught to him by Allah, and the moment he so doeth he shall surely die. We dogs are all a-mourning, but thou clappest thy wings and clarionest thy loudest and treadest hen after hen. Is this an hour for pastime and pleasuring? Art thou not ashamed of thyself? Then by Allah, quoth the cock, is our master a lackwit, and a man scanty of sense. If he cannot manage matters with a single wife, his life is not worth prolonging. Now I have some fifty dame partlets, 
and I please this and provoke that and starve one and stuff another. And through my governance they are all well under my control. This our master pretendeth to wit and wisdom, and he hath but one wife, and yet knoweth not how to manage her. Asked the dog, What then, O cock, should the master do to win clear of his strait? He should arise forthright, answered the cock, and take some twigs from yon mulberry tree, and give her a regular back-basting and rib-roasting, till she cry, I repent, O my lord, I will never ask thee a question as long as I live. Then let him beat her once more and soundly, and when he shall have done this he shall sleep free from care and enjoy life. But this master of ours owns neither sense nor judgment. Now, daughter Shahrazad, continued the wazir, I will do to thee as did that husband to that wife. Said Shahrazad, and what did he do? He replied, when the merchant heard the wise words spoken by his cock to his dog, he arose in haste and sought his wife's chamber, after cutting for her some mulberry twigs, and hiding them there, and then he called to her, Come into the closet, that I may tell thee the secret, while no one seeth me, and then die. She entered with him, and he locked the door, and came down with her, with so sound a beating of back and shoulders, ribs, arms, and legs, saying the while, Wilt thou ever be asking questions about what concerneth thee not? That she was well nigh senseless. Presently she cried out, I am of the repentant. By Allah I will ask thee no more questions, and indeed I repent sincerely and wholesomely. Then she kissed his hand and feet, and he led her out of the room, submissive as a wife should be. Her parents and all the company rejoiced, and sadness and mourning were changed into joy and gladness. Thus the merchant learned family discipline from his cock, and he and his wife lived together the happiest of lives until death. And thou also, my daughter, continued the wazir, unless thou turn from this matter, I will do by thee what that trader did to his wife. But she answered him with much decision, I will never desist, O my father, nor shall this tale change my purpose. Leave such talk and tattle, I will not listen to thy words, and if thou deny me, I will marry myself to him despite the nose of thee, and first I will go up to the king myself, and alone, and I will say to him, I prayed my father to wive me with thee, but he refused being resolved to disappoint his lord, grudging the like of me to the like of thee. Her father asked, Must this needs be? And she answered, Even so. Hereupon the wazir being weary of lamenting and contending, persuading and dissuading her, all to no purpose, went up to King Shariah, and after blessing him and kissing the ground before him, told him all about his dispute with his daughter from first to last, and how he designed to bring her to him that night. The king wondered with exceeding wonder, for he had made an especial exception of the wazir's daughter, and said to him, O most faithful of counsellors, how is this? Thou wottest that I have sworn by the razor of the heavens, that after I have gone in to her this night, I shall say to thee on the morrow's morning, Take her and slay her. And if thou slay her not, I will slay thee in her stead without fail. Allah guide thee to glory and lengthen thy life, O king of the age, answered the wazir. It is she that hath so determined. All this I have told her and more but she will not hearken to me, and she persisteth in passing this coming night with the king's majesty.
So Shariah rejoiced greatly, and said, "'Tis well. Go get her ready, and this night bring her to me.' The wazir returned to his daughter, and reported to her the command, saying, "'Allah make not thy father desolate by thy loss.' But Shahrazad rejoiced with exceeding joy, and got ready all she required, and said to her younger sister, Danyazad, Note well what directions I entrust to thee. When I have gone in to the king, I will send for thee, and when thou comest to me, and seest that he hath had his carnal will of me, do thou say to me, O my sister, and thou not be sleepy, relate to me some new story, delectable and delightsome, the better to speed our waking hours, and I will tell thee a tale which shall be our deliverance, if so Allah please, and which shall turn the king from his bloodthirsty custom. Danyazad answered, With love and gladness. So when it was night, their father the wazir carried Shahrazad to the king, who was gladdened at the sight, and asked, Hast thou brought me my need? And he answered, I have. But when the king took her to his bed, and fell to toying with her, and wished to go in to her, she wept, which made him ask, What aileth thee? She replied, O king of the age, I have a younger sister, and thief would I take leave of her this night, before I see the dawn. So he sent at once for Danyazad, and she came and kissed the ground between his hands, when he permitted her to take her seat near the foot of the couch. Then the king arose and did away with his bride's maidenhead, and the three fell asleep. But when it was midnight, Shahrazad awoke, and signalled to her sister Danyazad, who sat up and said, Allah upon thee, O my sister, recite to us some new story, delightsome and delectable, wherewith to while away the waking hours of our latter night. With joy and goodly gree, answered Shahrazad, if this pious and auspicious king permit me. Tell on, quoth the king, who chanced to be sleepless and restless, and therefore was pleased with the prospect of hearing her story. So Shahrazad rejoiced, and thus on the first night of the thousand nights and a night, she began with the tale of the trader and the jinni. It is related, O auspicious king, that there was a merchant of the merchants who had much wealth, and business in various cities. Now on a day he mounted horse and went forth to recover monies in certain towns, and the heat sore oppressed him. So he sat beneath a tree, and, putting his hand into his saddle-bags, took thence some broken bread and dry dates, and began to break his fast. When he had ended eating the dates, he threw away the stones with force, and, lo, an ifrit appeared. Huge of stature, and brandishing a drawn sword, wherewith he approached the merchant and said, Stand up, that I may slay thee, even as thou slewest my son. Asked the merchant, How have I slain thy son? And he answered, When thou ettest dates, and threwest away the stones, they struck my son full in the breast, as he was walking by, so that he died forthwith. Quoth the merchant, Verity from Allah we proceeded, and unto Allah we are returning. There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah, the glorious, the great. If I slew thy son, I slew him by chance medley. I pray thee now pardon me. Rejoined the jinni, There is no help, but I must slay thee. Then he seized him and dragged him along, and casting him to the earth, raised the sword to strike him, 
whereupon the merchant wept and said, I commit my case to Allah, and began repeating these couplets. Containeth time a twain of days, this of blessing, that of bane, and holdeth life a twain of halves, this of pleasure, that of pain. Cease not when blows the hurricane, sweeping stark and striking strong. None save the forest giant feels the suffering of the strain. How many trees earth nourisheth, of the dry and of the green, yet none of those which bear the fruits for cast of stone complain. Seize not how corpses rise and float on the surface of the tide, while pearls of price lie hidden in the deepest of the main. In heaven are unnumbered the many of the stars, yet ne'er a star but sun and moon by eclipse is o'ertaken. Well judgest thou the days that saw thy faring sound and well, and countedst not the pangs and pain whereof fate is never fain. The nights have kept thee safe, and the safety brought thee pride, but bliss and blessings of the night are genderers of bane. When the merchant ceased repeating these verses, the jinni said to him, Cut thy words short, by Allah, needs must I slay thee. But the merchant spake him thus, Know, O thou Ifrit, that I have debts due to me, and much wealth, and children, and a wife, and many pledges in hand, so permit me to go home and discharge to every claimant his claim, and I will come back to thee at the head of the new year. Allah be my testimony and surety that I will return to thee, and then thou mayst do with me as thou wilt, and Allah is witness to what I say. The jinni took sure promise of him and let him go, so he returned to his own city and transacted his business and rendered to all men their dues, and after informing his wife and children of what had betided him, he appointed a guardian and dwelt with them for a full year. Then he arose and made the wuzu ablution to purify himself before death, and took his shroud under his arm and bade farewell to his people, his neighbours and all his kith and kin, and went forth, despite his own nose. Then they began weeping and wailing and beating their breasts over him, but he travelled until he arrived at the same garden, and the day of his arrival was the head of the new year. As he sat weeping over what had befallen him, behold, a sheikh, a very ancient man, drew near, leading a chained gazelle, and he saluted the merchant, and wishing him long life, said, What is the cause of thy sitting in this place, and thou alone, and this be a resort of evil spirits? The merchant related to him what had come to pass with the ifrit, and the old man, the owner of the gazelle, wandered and said, By Allah, O brother, thy faith is none other than exceeding faith, and thy story right strange. Were it graven with gravers on the eye-corners, it were a warner to whoso would be warned. Then seating himself near the merchant, he said, By Allah, O my brother, I will not leave thee, until I see what may come to pass with thee in this ifrit. And presently, as he sat, and the two were at talk, the merchant began to feel fear and terror, and exceeding grief, and sorrow beyond relief, and ever-growing care, and extreme despair. And the owner of the gazelle was hard by his side, when, behold, a second sheikh approached them, and with him were two dogs, both of greyhound breed, and both black. 
The second old man, after saluting them with the salam, also asked them of their tidings, and said, What causeth you to sit in this place, a dwelling of the Jan? So they told him the tale from beginning to end, and their stay there had not lasted long before there came up a third sheikh, and with him a she-mule of bright bay-coat, and he saluted them, and asked them why they were seated in that place. So they told him the story from first to last, and of no avail, O my master, is a twice-told tale. There he sat down with them, and lo, a dust-cloud advanced, and a mighty send devil appeared amidmost of the waste. Presently the cloud opened, and behold, within it was that jinni, hending in hand a drawn sword, while his eyes were shooting fire-sparks of rage. He came up to them, and, hailing away the merchant from among them, cried to them, Arise, that I may slay thee, as thou slewest my son, the life-stuff of my liver. The merchant wailed and wept, and the three old men began sighing and crying, and weeping and wailing with their companion. Presently the first old man, the owner of the gazelle, came out from among them, and kissed the hand of the Ifrit, and said, O Jinni, thou crown of the kings of the Jan, were I to tell thee the story of me and this gazelle, and thou shouldst consider it wondrous, wouldst thou give me a third part of this merchant's blood? Then quoth the Jinni, Even so, O Sheikh, if thou tell me this tale, and I hold it a marvellous, then I will give thee a third of his blood. Thereupon the old man began to tell the first sheikh's story. Know, O Jinni, that this gazelle is the daughter of my paternal uncle, my own flesh and blood, and I married her when she was a young maid, and I lived with her well nigh thirty years, yet was I not blessed with issue by her. So I took me a concubine, who brought to me the boon of a male child, fair as the full moon, with eyes of lovely shine and eyebrows which formed one line, and limbs of perfect design. Little by little he grew in stature, and waxed tall, and when he was a lad fifteen years old, it became needful I should journey to certain cities, and I travelled with great store of goods. But the daughter of my uncle, this gazelle, had learned grammarai and agromancy and clerkly craft from her childhood, so she bewitched that son of mine to a calf, and my handmaid, his mother, to a heifer, and made them over to the herdsman's care. Now when I returned, after a long time, from my journey, and asked for my son and his mother, she answered me, saying, Thy slave-girl is dead, and thy son hath fled, and I know not whither he is sped. So I remained for a whole year with grieving heart and streaming eyes, until the time came for the great festival of Allah. Then sent I to my herdsman, bidding him choose for me a fat heifer, and he brought me one which was the damsel, my handmaid, whom this gazelle had ensorcelled. I tucked up my sleeves and skirt, and, taking a knife, proceeded to cut her throat, but she loud aloud, and wept bitter tears. Thereat I marvelled, and pity seized me, and I held my hand, saying to the herd, Bring me other than this. Then cried my cousin, Slay her, for I have not a fatter nor a fairer. Once more I went forward to sacrifice her, but she again loud aloud, upon which in ruth I refrained, and commanded the herdsman to slay her and flay her. 
He killed her and skinned her, but found in her neither fat nor flesh, only hide and bone, and I repented when penitence availed me naught. I gave her to the herdsman, and said to him, Fetch me a fat calf, so he brought my son and sorcelled. When the calf saw me, he broke his tether and ran to me, and fawned upon me and wailed and shed tears, so that I took pity on him and said to the herdsman, Bring me a heifer, and let this calf go. Thereupon my cousin, this gazelle, called aloud at me, saying, Needs must thou kill this calf, this is a holy day and a blessed, whereon naught is slain save what be perfect pure, and we have not amongst our calves any fatter or fairer than this. Quoth I, Look thou upon the condition of the heifer which I slaughtered at thy bidding, and how we turn from her in disappointment, and she profited us on no wise. And I repent with an exceeding repentance of having killed her, so this time I will not obey thy bidding for the sacrifice of this calf. Quoth she, By Allah the Most Great, the Compassionating, the Compassionate, there is no help for it. Thou must kill him on this holy day, and if thou kill him not, to me thou art no man, and I, to thee, am no wife. Now when I heard those hard words, not knowing her object, I went up to the calf, knife in hand. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. Then quoth her sister to her, how fair is thy tale, and how grateful, and how sweet, and how tasteful! And Shahrazad answered her, What is this to that I could tell thee on the coming night, were I to live, and the king would spare me? Then said the king to himself, By Allah I will not slay her, until I shall have heard the rest of her tale. So they slept the rest of that night in mutual embrace, till day fully break. Then the king went forth to his audience-hall, and the wazir went up with his daughter's shroud under his arm. The king issued his orders, and promoted this, and deposed that, until the end of the day, and he told the wazir no whit of what had happened. But the minister wandered thereat with exceeding wonder, and when the court broke up, King Shariah entered his palace. When it was the second night, said Danyazad to her sister Shahrazad, O oh, my sister, finish for us that story of the merchant and the jinni. And she answered, With joy and goodly gree, if the king permit me. Then quoth the king, Tell thy tale. And Shahrazad began in these words. It hath reached me, O auspicious king and heaven-directed ruler, that when the merchant purposed the sacrifice of the calf, but saw it weeping, his heart relented, and he said to the herdsman, Keep the calf among my cattle. All this the old sheikh told the jinni, who marvelled much at these strange words. Then the owner of the gazelle continued, O lord of the kings of the Jan, this much took place, and my uncle's daughter, this gazelle, looked on and saw it, and said, Butcher me this calf, for surely it is a fat one. But I bade the herdsman take it away, and he took it, and turned his face homewards. On the next day, as I was sitting in my own house, lo, the herdsman came, and, standing before me, said, O my master, I will tell thee a thing which shall gladden thy soul, and shall gain me the gift of good tidings. 
I answered, Even so. Then said he, O merchant, I have a daughter, and she learned magic in her childhood from an old woman who lived with us. Yesterday, when thou gavest me the calf, I went into the house to her, and she looked upon it and veiled her face. Then she wept and laughed alternately, and at last she said, O my father, hath mine honour become so cheap to thee that thou bringest in to me strange men? I asked her, Where be these strange men, and why wast thou laughing and crying? And she answered, Of a truth, this calf which is with thee is the son of our master, the merchant, but he is ensorcelled by his stepdame, who bewitched both him and his mother. Such is the cause of my laughing. Now the reason of his weeping is his mother, for that his father slew her unawares. Then I marvelled at this with exceeding marvel, and hardly made sure that day had dawned before I came to tell thee. When I heard, O Jinni, my herdsman's words, I went out with him, and I was drunken without wine, from the excess of joy and gladness which came upon me, until I reached his house. There his daughter welcomed me, and kissed my hand, and forthwith the calf came and fawned upon me as before. Quoth I to the herdsman's daughter, Is this true that thou sayest of this calf? Quoth she, Yea, O my master, he is thy son, the very core of thy heart. I rejoiced and said to her, O maiden, if thou wilt release him, thine shall be whatever cattle and property of mine are under thy father's hand. She smiled and answered, O my master, I have no greed for the goods, nor will I take them, save on two conditions. The first, that thou marry me to thy son, and the second, that I may bewitch her who bewitched him, and imprison her, otherwise I cannot be safe from her malice and malpractices. Now when I heard, O Jinni, these, the words of the herdsman's daughter, I replied, Beside what thou askest, all the cattle and the household staff in thy father's charge are thine, and as for the daughter of my uncle, her blood is lawful to thee. When I had spoken, she took a cup and filled it with water. Then she recited a spell over it, and sprinkled it upon the calf, saying, If Almighty Allah created thee a calf, remain so shaped, and change not. But if thou be enchanted, return to thy whilom form, by command of Allah Most Highest. And lo, he trembled, and became a man. Then I fell on his neck, and said, Allah upon thee, tell me all that the daughter of my uncle did by thee and by thy mother. And when he told me what had come to pass between them, I said, O my son, Allah favoured thee with one to restore thee, and thy right hath returned to thee. Then, O Jinni, I married the herdsman's daughter to him, and she transformed my wife into this gazelle, saying, Her shape is as comely, and by no means loathsome. After this she abode with us, night and day, day and night, till the Almighty took her to himself. When she deceased, my son fared forth to the cities of Hind, even to the city of this man, who hath done to thee what hath been done. And I also took this gazelle, my cousin, and wandered with her from town to town, seeking tidings of my son, till destiny drove me to this place, where I saw the merchant sitting in tears. Such is my tale, quoth the jinni. This story is indeed strange, and therefore I grant thee the third part of his blood. Thereupon the second old man, who owned the two greyhounds, 
came up and said, "'O oh, Jinny, if I recount to thee what befell me from my brothers, these two hounds, and thou see that it is a tale even more wondrous and marvellous than what thou hast heard, wilt thou grant me also the third of this man's blood?' replied the Jinny, "'Thou hast my word for it, if thine adventures be more marvellous and wondrous.' Thereupon he thus began the second sheikh's story. End of section two of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Recorded by Gesine in January two thousand eight.